This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code real simple at checkout to get 10% off. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ochtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today is Claire Shipman. Claire Shipman is a contributor to ABC News, and she's the co-author of The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. Hi, Claire. Hi. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. And I think I've told you this before, but Claire is one of my very favorite names because my sister's name is Claire. But it is a really beautiful name (laughs) on this beautiful spring day. So our topic today is overly confident people. And this is a topic that was suggested by a listener of I Want to Like You. And, you know, I have it, it doesn't it's actually not a topic I find or it's not a a breed of people, I guess I should say, that I find personally annoying or irritating, unless they're so confident that they don't, you know, can't really either see reality or or understand anybody else's point of view. But so you, you know, you've done a lot of work around confidence and the difference between men and women. I guess first, just a personal question, do you find that character trait irritating yourself? You know, it's funny. I guess because I've done so much work recently on confidence, I've moved from being irritated to being envious of people who are overconfident. Because um, I do think that it, it tends to be more men than women. Men skew overconfident. Men tend to just overestimate their abilities. They overestimate. I mean, there was study after study about this. They overestimate how they've done on tests. They overestimate what they're capable of. They're yeah. You know, they take more risks. They don't assess risks the same way. Women tend to underestimate. And and the fact is, a little bit of overconfidence is a good thing because it it spurs us to kind of get out of bed and get off the couch, right, mm. and just get get stuff done. But I I guess when it does hit a point where people are making the same mistakes over and over again, or when it kind of blurs and blends in with narcissism, right. which is really, really just annoying, right? Because a person just is in love with themselves and talking about themselves all the time. That, that I think can be frustrating. So question for you. I have three boys who are 20, 17, and nine. And this isn't true for all three of my boys, but two of the three, you know, if they take a test and you'll say that you know, for example, they didn't really study for, and maybe in a class where they're getting like a C plus or a B, and you'll be like, "How was your test?" And then the kid A will say, "Oh, I aced it," and you're and like you know that's so not reality, right? And you're thinking as a mother, like you're smoking something, pal. Like I know you didn't ace that test, but he says it like with complete, co- complete transparent, not transparency, but like he's not. Making right. a joke. It's like I aced it. Like where, Claire, does that come from? Okay, first of all, I'm <laughs> so with you because I have a 14-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. And I would have and my 14-year-old son in many ways is is the more sensitive of the two, right? My daughter's a tomboy and really a troublemaker, but they fall along gender lines on this stuff. My son does that ev- with every test. And <laughs> at one point, finally, I was putting an event one night and he's like, Well, mom, I guess. 
I guess what I'm realizing is realizing is I, I I'm actually not really that accurate when I think I've done well. On this <laughs> test. I was like, yes, self realization at age 14. That's going to be awesome. And he said, I, I think maybe the girls have it better. I said, well, they do, except then they fret about things and they and they don't need to be worrying about it. But yeah, I think it comes from. What, for what we found in our research is there really is a genetic or biological component to this, and it really does have a fair amount to do with testosterone to some extent. Right? So testosterone, which just boys have, men have, women don't have as much of, really drives risk-taking, and it drives this ability to just view risks in life differently, and, the, and confidence really is, I can do that. Right. That's what confidence you you think I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so that that demands an element of risk taking to some extent. Right. And and but there are other things, too. I mean, our brains are slightly different. Women tend to we rely on the rational part of our brain more. We sort of have more going on there. So we're we're more cautious. We're more analytical. And therefore, really, in a lot of ways, we're more we're more apt to be right about our assessment about either ourselves or other other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you find, okay, so, so you've moved from a place, after doing a lot of research and publishing this book, you've moved from a place where you find overly confident people irritating to being envious of them. So would you say <laughs> that you, you know, because it, it just, you just, your heart breaks, you know, when you meet someone who, it, or it mine does, and yours probably does too, when you meet someone who's so wonderful and kind and smart and terrific in nearly every way, and that just does not feel confident in her abilities or his abilities, and you want to shake them by the shoulders and say, you are so wonderful. I, I wish I could give you like a an injection of something. So... But then that becomes kind of irritating in its own way. So do you, I don't know, who do you, who do you have a harder time with in your, in your life? People who have no confidence or people who have too much confidence? Well, what? it's funny because I think that women, a lot of women especially, and I am categorizing this by gender because it, it is often the way it falls. But of course, there are supremely confident women. There are overconfident women. There are underconfident men. But generally speaking, I think women we understand often the way we we work and sort of underestimating our performance or being sure we're not ready or feeling like we need to spend that whole weekend writing that memo because it might not be good. like we get that right mm -hmm. but that's sort of a way of working we all understand so sometimes it's irritating but sometimes it's just like you understand it and and i will say that it you know it's not that i don't find the overconfident people frustrating also because as a, as a reporter, I mean, I, I remember before I was really focused on this, just some of the, the male colleagues I worked with, all of whom were wonderful in their own ways. But I mean, honestly, some of the, the, the risks I felt that they would take, whether it was sort of headlines or the interpretation of a piece or their certainty that that they were going to get another source and therefore they were going ahead or they're, or conveying that they had five sources when they didn't really, because they were going to get that source from the other person. And then it was all going to balance out or that like that, that stuff, I found it even more than irritating because it, it was just frustrating to watch. Right. And how, and how very often, by the way, overconfidence really is equated with um, leadership. I mean, mm -hmm. there's study after study that shows, really interesting guy at Berkeley we talked to was studying this, that in most ways, especially with success in the workplace, confidence trumps competence. 
So, all right. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like even when a person's competence or lack of is known in the organization, confidence will still make up for that or more than make up for that? It will. I mean, here's what this researcher has found, essentially, that it's you can't have an enormous gap between your competence and your confidence Mm -hmm. because then really think, you know, then you get the financial collapse, uh, you get everything, things that we've seen, by the way, Mm -hmm. but um, that can be very damaging in the long run. But if you if you have a little bit of overconfidence, right, a little more confidence than your competence should allow, mm-hmm. that's actually a very positive driver in life. And it actually, it's it's a compelling characteristic that other people respond to as, a, as opposed to going the other way and, and having a little bit of doubt and hesitation. And so what he has found over and over again with these students he studies is that the the kids who are a little more confident than Mm -hmm. they should be are viewed after a year or two as the leaders of the groups, the people whose ideas are listened to more regularly because people gravitate to that. Now, let me just add one more thing. Mm -hmm. This isn't false bravado because Cameron Anderson, this researcher is also studying false confidence, faking it. And he says what he's found is that people can detect fakes. So what this is, is an honest belief that you're more capable than you are. And, 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 and Columbia University has studied this among men, and they call it honest overconfidence, that men often have a, a propensity to overestimate their abilities by about 30%. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, I know. And it's, but it's not, um, they're not faking it, right? Which, may, which made me in some ways feel, again, better about the overconfident people out there. Yeah. Well, when I think about leadership, you know, I've always worked or most of my life as an adult, I've worked for fairly big corporations with a fairly hierarchical structure. And, you know, sometimes when you're not when you have a boss, which I most people have and I always have, you don't you just want someone to make the decision. You know, you might know that it's not the right. You might feel it's not the right decision. You might not be sure it's the right decision. But I sometimes I feel like good leadership is, well, in my own personal life, I see what this researcher has found, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that I want my boss to be someone who has enough confidence and maybe overconfidence to make the decision, even if it might be the wrong decision, meaning lack of competence in a way. But you just need someone strong to make the decision. Well, and making decisions, that's such a, uh, an interesting thing you brought up because we there was a woman we interviewed for our book who's a really high-powered attorney, a partner at a law firm, and she said this was a hang-up she had, right? People look to her for decisions all the time. And for years, she felt stymied, like, I can't, I'm not going to make a decision unless I know it's going to be right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that meant everybody was waiting, things were getting done. And she literally had to create a rule for herself that was – 10% of the decisions I make every day will be wrong and that's okay. Oh, but that's... I'm just going to make decisions. And right. I think you're right that there's something about, you're right, taking responsibility for it. And, and ultimately, right, it, it's being willing to take the risk. You're right. taking the risk. You're acting. Right. You're taking the risk on your behalf and on the behalf of the people who work for you that you might be mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, so maybe for the first time ever in the, this podcast, which I've been doing for a year, 
I want to bring up presidential politics um, <laughs> because you, you know, you have also covered the White House for CNN and for NBC. And, you know, in thinking about this topic and thinking about whether it's honest overconfidence or not, when I think about some of the people, and this is not partisan in any way, but when I think about some of the people running for president, I think about people like Ben Carson or Donald Trump who who are very strong leaders and super successful in their fields, but they're not politicians. They're not people who've ever held office. And is that it, how's that related to confidence? Or am I just, I mean, obviously this is your bailiwick and not mine, but like it, to me it's amazing that you can be like a, a super famous surgeon and think, okay, I should be president. But it's so <laughs> yeah. funny. I One of the first... Uh, sessions we went to when we were doing research for a different book, Caddy Kay and I, we were in the basement of, of Capitol Hill and listening to this incredible woman, Marie Wilson, who ran an organization called the, the White House Project, talk about the fact the gender divide is really there in that men will look in the mirror and think, I see a senator. <laughs> and women would never be that presumptuous. And all the data shows, especially in running for office, running for office is almost the ultimate confidence crucible for women because you're out there in public, you're speaking in public, and the vote is on you, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't about like, this is all about you. And women will not do it generally unless they're pushed. So they, they need somebody to tell them, I could see you as senator, I could see you doing this. Or they're just much more hesitant to get in in office. And there's a lot of organizations devoted to this now for this reason. And mm -hmm. men don't, I mean, they think that's a risk worth taking. Why not? Why can't I do that? And in fact, really, it's true. I mean, you know, yes, political experiences is helpful. There have been cases where not having political experience is helpful. So it's not a bad gamble to take. And 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 Hillary Clinton talks about this anecdote a lot. When she was running for senator or trying to decide whether she even wanted to run for senator, she was on that listening tour forever and ever mm -hmm. and ever. Mm. And finally, a, a high school girls basketball coach in New Jersey said to her, you know, what are you waiting for? Just dare to compete you know, get out, get in there. And she said it was transformative because she realized she was just afraid to lose. Right. She was just hesitating about getting into the race. And she was just laid so much groundwork and traveled around, I mean, forever. And it's just a very different approach. And again, it's very often comes down to men and women. So I'm here in our studio with our producer, Kristen Meinzer, who is a lot more tech savvy than I am, and I know that just because she can work this like super, super complicated looking control panel <laughs> that we use to tape this podcast. But Kristen, tell me, do you have, I'm assuming you have a website. I do have an outdated website, and I'm currently in the process of looking into getting a new Squarespace one, actually, because of all of the mid-roll ads that you have had on your show. Yes, that you've e listened to. Extolling the virtues of Squarespace, because I don't have to code, which yeah. I'm going to be frank here, even though this complicated board looks complicated. Yeah. It's pretty easy compared to coding. You. Coding yeah. is very, Oh, very yeah, yeah. Coding, forget it. I'll never yeah. be able to do that. But also that the websites are so beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful, absolutely professional, and you'd never guess they were easy. Yeah. So I'm excited to start my new Squarespace page. Okay, so if you, like Kristen Meinzer and me, want to build a website on Squarespace, you can start a free trial site today by going to squarespace.com. And when you do sign up, make sure you use the offer code Real Simple, and you get 10% off your first purchase.
I remember the first time you and I met and we were talking about your first book and uh, career choices you made now. I don't know how many years ago this would be for you. But, you know, when when I think back to the story you told me about kind of stepping away, right? Mm hmm. I mean, I would think that that would be a moment of real confidence that it would take for you to say, I'm not, you know, this isn't worth it for me. I mean, when you think about your own life, not your personal life, but your professional life and moments of confidence or if there have been moments of overconfidence, is, is are there any moments that stand out that you'd like to share? Trying to, I was trying to think about moments of overconfidence. I guess I, I wish in general I've had more moments of overconfidence. I, I, I guess I sometimes... <laughs> It. I'm ha- I'm hampered by perfectionism, really, which is the enemy of confidence, right? Oh, really? Lack- yes. I mean, that's the other really interesting. It's not thing wanting to lose, kind of. Well, once you are feel you need to be perfect, and by the way, this is the problem all young women today have because they are just killing it at school and mm-hmm. at college, and then their confidence plummets when they get into the workplace because. They're used to, they've been able to be perfect all this time, or they know the rules, they play by the rules, it's getting good grades, it's getting this, but they're not risking and failing. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn to take risks and fail to build confidence. And I guess I wish I had taken more risks, but you're right. I think the moments that have been really pivotal for me have been when I decided, you know what, I, I think I could walk away from that, or I don't need to do this full time. And I, and maybe I could write a book mm-hmm. and, and which seemed like a crazy idea to me. Right. I was, I didn't think I could write a book. And so I, but I think it's moments where you, where I've been willing to really take a big chance or take a risk that I've felt real growth as I mean, professionally, but also just as a human being. Okay. So on a final, I guess on the final note then, Maybe overconfidence. I mean, I'm really, really, this is really reductive, but maybe overconfidence is kind of, unless you get into narcissism, it's kind of not a bad thing. Okay. So yes, I was obsessed with this very point in our book. And we talked to every expert, right? The guy who studies confidence in rats, the neuroscientists, the people who study it, what is the perfect amount of confidence? And everybody's conclusion was the rat guy who's fantastic scientist at Cold Spring Harbor said, ideally, you want your confidence totally aligned with your competence so that it's a, so that it's a great decision-making tool. It will allow you to make the best decisions in life. But as, as the human race and just in terms of evolution and taking risks, and there have been really interesting studies on this because this trait of overconfidence has been perpetuated, right? We are, and, and so there's a reason it hasn't died out that you, you want to have a little bit more confidence incompetence because again it propels us to act and more often than not that's going to be a useful thing the action itself and the risk taking is what builds more confidence okay so maybe there maybe we for those of us who aren't feeling it we have to maybe <laughs> fake it just a little not yeah, to the I point where everyone can tell because we feel like frauds but just do it in spite of your fear and the minute you start the more you act and fail and learn and master, the more confidence you build. So right. it's just really, it's, it's true. It's a process, but we can learn it. It's, we really can. It's self-perpetuating. It is. Okay. Oh my gosh. So many good things you've left <laughs> us with here today. So I've been talking to Claire Shipman, who's a contributor to ABC News, and her book is called The Confidence Code, The Science and Art of Self-Assurance, What Women Should Know. Claire, thank you so much for being here and fitting us into your crazy busy day today. And thank you. It was fantastic. 
That's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Our producer is Kristen Meinzer. Our editor is Tim Einenkel, and Caitlin Peary helps me put together this podcast in the Real Simple offices. Please let us know what you think of this show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast, as a listener did for me today, directly to me at KVanOctrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com, and of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Claire Shipman, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us.